Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, May 31st. We have just completed the observance and celebration of Passover and the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But did you know that Passover is not really over until we get to Shavuot? There is the counting of the Omer, a 50-day count that takes you up to the next biblical feast, which is Shavuot or Pentecost. The Omer is counted each evening after sundown. This year, Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June 4th, and ends at sunset on Monday, June 6th. We are to stand when counting the Omer, and we begin by reciting the following blessing. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kidshanu mitzvotav zivanu al-sefirat haomer. Blessed are you, Adonai our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to count the Omer. After the blessing, we recite the appropriate day of the count. For example, Hayom Yom Echad Laomer. Today is the 45th day of the counting of the Omer. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bamidbar, and it means in the wilderness. Numbers 1, 42-54 Asher, 41,500. Naphtali, 53,400. These were the men registered by Moses and Aaron and the twelve leaders of Israel, all listed according to their ancestral descent. They were registered by families, all the men of Israel who were twenty years old or older and able to go to war. The total number was 603,550. But this total did not include the Levites, for the Lord had said to Moses, Do not include the tribe of Levi in the registration. Do not count them with the rest of the Israelites. Put the Levites in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant, along with all its furnishings and equipment. They must carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings as you travel, and they must take care of it and camp around it. Whenever it is time for the tabernacle to move, the Levites will take it down, and when it is time to stop, they will set it up again, but any unauthorized person who goes too near the tabernacle must be put to death. Each tribe of Israel will camp in a designated area with its own family banner, but the Levites will camp around the tabernacle of the covenant to protect the community of Israel from the Lord's anger. The Levites are responsible to stand guard around the tabernacle. So the Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. 2 Samuel 17, 1-29 
Now, Ahithophel urged Absalom, Let me choose twelve thousand men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic, and everyone will run away. Then I will kill only the king, and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only one man's life that you seek. Then you will be at peace with all the people. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. But then Absalom said, Bring in Hushai the archite. Let's see what he thinks about this. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, What is your opinion? Should we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? Well, Hushai replied to Absalom, This time Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced man of war. He won't be spending the night among the troops. He has probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops and the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldiers, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior your father is and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away as Dan in the north and Beersheba in the south. That way you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I advise that you personally lead the troops. When we find David, we'll fall on him like dew that falls on the ground. Then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David were to escape into some town, you will have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take ropes and drag the walls of the town into the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Hushai's advice is better than Ahithophel's. For the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar the priests what Ahithophel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at Enrogel so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at Enrogel, and he told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Bahurim, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun. So no one suspected that they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, They were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, Cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. 
When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hung himself there. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether, an Ishmaelite. His mother, Abigail, daughter of Nahash, was the sister of Joab's mother, Zariah. Absalom and the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Mahanaim, he was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nahash, who came from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and by Maker, son of Amiel from Lodabar, and by Barzillai of Gilead from Rogalim. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, and cheese for David and those who were with him. For they said, You must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. John 19, 23-42 When the soldiers had crucified Yeshua, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, Rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that is what they did. Standing near the cross were Yeshua's mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Yeshua saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on this disciple took her into his home. Yeshua knew that his mission was now finished, and to fulfill scripture he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Yeshua had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Yeshua. But when they came to Yeshua, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth, so that you also may continue to believe. These things happened in fulfillment of the scriptures that say, Not one of his bones will be broken, and they will look on the one whom they pierced. Afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Yeshua because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Yeshua's body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Yeshua at night. He brought about seventy-five pounds of perfumed ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Yeshua's body with the spices in long sheets of linen cloth. 
The place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb, never used before. And so, because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Yeshua there. Psalm 119, 129-152 Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. The teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. I pant with expectation, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy, as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love. Teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes, because people disobey your instructions. O Lord, you are righteous, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. I am overwhelmed with indignation, for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so that I may live. I pray with all my heart. Answer me, Lord. I will obey your decrees. I cry out to you, rescue me that I may obey your laws. I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. I stay awake through the night thinking about your promise. In your faithful love, O Lord, hear my cry. Let me be revived by following your regulations. Lawless people are coming to attack me. They live far from your instructions. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commands are true. I have known from my earliest days that your laws will last forever. Proverbs 16, 12, and 13 A king detests wrongdoing, for his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. I'd like to speak to you today from Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 17, and in this chapter we see that David has fled, and Absalom his son is in hot pursuit, and then Absalom consults first with his uh, advisor Ahithophel, asking him, what should I do? Absalom tells him, you should, or Ahithophel tells him, you should pursue immediately and catch up to him, and uh, Catch him before he gets very far, and kill him, and then the rest bring him back. But then he consults with Hushai, and Hushai says, No, muster up a very large army, get all of Israel's men together, and then uh, go after him in a big way, and kill him and all of his followers as well. So... Absalom decides to follow Hushai's advice, and Hushai, of course, is a plant, a plant from David, designed to throw him off and to sabotage him. But here's the thought that I want us to consider. Absalom 
is David's own son. In times past, his worst enemy was Saul, King Saul, who preceded him as the king. And Saul was always trying to kill him and pursue him. Pursue him to kill him. But then Saul dies, and now he's the king, but now his own son is out to kill him. His own son. And so let's think about this for a moment. Sometimes our enemy is not a stranger or someone an acquaintance, but our enemy can be someone very close to us, someone within our own family. I want to cross-reference our reading today from 2 Samuel 17 to Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 50. These are Yeshua's words. Yeshua says in Luke 12, verse 50, I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Now we know what that terrible baptism of suffering was. He went to the cross. He was nailed to the cross and suffered an excruciating death. But it's interesting what he chooses to say in the next verses, right after talking about a baptism of suffering. So what? how else might this baptism of suffering look like? Verse 52, from now on, families will be split apart. Now let's jump back to verse 51. Do you think I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Verse 53, father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So he warned us in advance that Yeshua would be like a plumb line, a dividing line, and that even within a family there would be three against two or two against three. So we see this played out in David's life. His own son has turned against him and wants to kill him. So I share this with you as an insight to understand that if you are experiencing any kind of persecution or suffering or uh, an alienation or a hostility coming from a family member, a grown son or a grown daughter or son-in-law or daughter-in-law or sister or brother or father or mother, the Lord Yeshua, he warned us in advance that this would happen and that it's nothing about you. It's because of Yeshua who lives in you that that is who the person is rejecting. They are rejecting Christ. It's not you personally, but it's Yeshua in you that they reject. So we're going to know spiritual warfare. We're going to be under attack, especially now. The whole COVID-19 business really divided families in a big way. Because within a single family, there would be those in favor of taking the jab and others within the family who refused to take the jab. And then there were lots of families then that did not get together over Thanksgiving or over the holidays uh, because of this issue. 
and it goes much deeper than where do you stand regarding the jab. It's it's really it's a spiritual issue. Are you standing in light or are you standing in darkness? Are you awake and alert and you've done your due diligence or are you asleep? So be encouraged that if you are knowing some division or um, alienation within a family, Yeshua warned us that it would be this way. And the best thing that we can do, if that's what's going on, is to pray for that family member. Pray blessings over them. Pray blessings, specific blessings over them. Pray into who they will become once they come to know Christ. Pray into how God sees them a thousand years from now, five years from now, ten years from now. Pray blessings over them and purpose and choose to forgive them, for they know not what they do. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevrekha The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.